Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is brought to you by Magnanimous Rentals. Cameras, lenses, lights, and much more at the lowest rental rates online. Magnanimous Rentals, every order submitted at magrents.com. That's M-A-G-R-E-N-T-S dot com. Every order submitted receives a discount. Inexpensive production essentials ship right to your door. Magrents.com. Go Magnanimous. Listen, I've been working with Magnanimous Rentals for a few years, and I love it. I can't tell you how awesome it is to have a production trip, which I travel at least once a month or so, and I pack my bags and my luggage with my clothes, I hop on my plane, I reach my destination, I get to my hotel or my Airbnb, and boom, my equipment is there waiting for me nicely packaged up. My cameras, my lenses, tripods, lights, I didn't have to travel with any expensive or heavy equipment, and it just made everything a breeze. I do my shoot. I knock it out of the park, I pack the equipment back into the packaging it came in, and I stop by UPS or FedEx on the way back to the airport, and boom, it's back on its way to Magnanimous Rentals. Super easy, super affordable, and listen, if you have a production in-house for your business and you can't justify purchasing camera equipment, this is a perfect affordable alternative for you guys. Rent the equipment that you need and then send it back. Magnanimous Rentals, go check them out at magrents.com. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Six Second Stories, where we help you maximize your impact through short-form storytelling. All right, so if you're like me, you may be struggling to write one or several projects. For me, it may be books, screenplays. For you, it may be the script for a video that you're trying to do for your company. And there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of obstacles, and there's a lot of struggles. And many of them are the same for all of us. Today, my guest is Jimmy George, aka the Script Butcher. And Jimmy has five amazing tips, 
five common mistakes that he sees when he is butchering people's scripts. And all of them, all of them are so good and so full of great advice that you can apply directly to your writing project. I'm super excited about this episode. Jimmy is a horror filmmaker and screenwriter. And he's done that for 10 or 15 years. Very, very low-budget films like myself. So we immediately had a great connection. I also love horror films, but have yet to make one. So I'm a little envious of that. But Jimmy Jimmy was amazing. His personality was was just awesome. I mean, he's just, he's just a dude. He's just a dude that I want to have a beer with. And I, I told him that. So we talked for a while about all things problematic when it comes to scripts. So it doesn't matter if you're writing a screenplay or you're writing a video for your business. A lot of these things are still the same. A lot of the issues that a screenwriter will face, you will face if you're writing a three-minute video for your Kickstarter campaign or for your website or for your social media, whatever. Jimmy was a great guest to have. He was energetic. He was passionate. He loves what he does, and he's good at what he does. So I'm going to go ahead and shut up so you guys can hear the script butcher tell you how to fix your scripts. Check it out. Jimmy. Rain. What's up, brother? How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. How's it going? Great. Right on. Um, well, welcome. Appreciate your time. Sorry we had to reschedule the first time, but I got you now. Sorry. Life gets in the way, always. It always does. So, uh, I mean, we were chatting a little bit before, uh, and I'm pretty stoked because you are the first horror filmmaker and writer that we've had on the show. Whoa, okay. Big time. Cool. Right? That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um and uh I'm stoked about that because I grew up loving horror movies. My brother is a huge like B horror movie fanatic, like cult classics, like total like eighties slasher films. And so oh, man. he's about seven years older, but we're really tight. And so ever since I was a kid, like of course all the classics, Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby and all that, but then also all these like super unheard of like straight 80s b and c movie <laughs> slasher films so that's great it. you got your education then. oh absolutely absolutely he still tries to educate me but 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 i'm uh, i'm less willing <laughs> these days like my stuff then <laughs> he probably would so how did you get into that were you already were you always a horror film like fan like as a kid growing up uh Actually, no. Um, I'm, I came into horror late, mm-hmm. um, really late, actually. I grew up with parents who are not cinephiles. <laughs> right. It's very interesting how I've like, be, you know, movies have become my life because my parents are not cinephiles. In fact, like I, I, my dad doesn't even believe that people go to the movies to watch characters, which is a whole other thing. Like He's like, you don't go. And I'll be like... Wait, what do they go for then? Yeah, I'm like, so when you... Because one of his favorite movies is Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm right. like, so when you go to Raiders of the Lost Ark, you, you're telling me you're not interested in Indiana Jones? Right. And he's like, oh, I just want to see the action. <laughs> like, okay, this is... I can't I can't win this one. No. Um, but uh, I... Um, I've always loved horror, but I wasn't able to get into it because nobody around me was into it. And right. then when I moved, I moved to Baltimore when I was 10 um, and I had a bunch of friends who were really into horror and their parents let them watch whatever they wanted. And then um, 
I met somebody in the local punk scene. I wasn't in punk in punk bands, but all my friends were. Right. And one thing led to another, and I met this guy who was a uh, in a punk band who played with my best friend's punk band all the time, and we had a mutual interest in horror, and uh, we uh, started making movies together. So no, so your parents weren't film fans, but there had to be somebody when you were a kid, right? That that kind of got you into it, right? Or did you just? Where did no, you I, find I, you? Are you an only child? I'm a spiritual guy. No, I got I have three. Um, I, it's me, my brother, and my sister. None of them into movies. Um, we That's had. Crazy. We had beta growing up, yeah. and uh, uh, so when you would go to the video store, none of the videos would be available because, like, there was tons of VHS. But my dad was like, <laughs> "We gotta have beta," um, and so you would go, and there they would get video stores would get like five copies of every movie in VHS, but like only one copy or no copies in right, beta. Right. So we could never get the movies. So my dad had five movies that I would watch over and over. <laughs> And if you look at these five movies, they're like all the ones that that are quoted in the early screenwriting books as like the great examples of screenwriting. Interesting. Um, uh, a great eighty. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Suspect to the Wrath of Khan. Um, Karate Kid. And the wild card there is Annie, the musical. Those five movies I watched Dude, that's over cr- and over and over because that was all we had. And I really think that that somehow like formed me into like a movie lover. Just those five movies, seeing those five, especially considering two of them were Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, um, those are totally. two classics. So, um, yeah, no, no one in my life that's crazy. had any had any like kind of influence on me doing this as weird as that sounds i i, I just gotta say too i love your dad so far <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, he's a character he's like no 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 we're sticking with beta beta <laughs> we're riding it out yeah exactly. he's a hard ass for yeah, sure <laughs> i can tell i can tell um all right so no, here's a question let's no, let's go ahead, let's get into some script stuff because horror right. horror is such an interesting genre what are the main differences you think in building a horror story than what's so what's so interesting about horror and what i love about writing horror is you can kind of take any other genre Mm -hmm. and then throw it into a horror movie scenario Mm -hmm. and it works like you can make a romantic comedy with horror (laughs) you know you can you you take any road trip story with horror. Mm-hmm. You you take any kind of genre or subgenre that's out there, and then you plop horror on top of it. Mm-hmm. They both work. Like a lot of great horror movies, if you take out the horror element, they'd still be like a great family drama, <laughs> right? A great you know a great coming of age story. A great you know. Um, hmm. But I think uh, what what what's different in horror is the sin. The sin factor. Yeah. So you you find your your uh, situation that your characters are in, and basically you say, "How did my characters get into this situation? What is the sin that they committed?" And then you base all of the all of the premise delivery around that explorations of that sin. And so that's that's the main difference. What is the cinematic sin that the audience know, you know, can feel that they did wrong, and uh, yeah. So that so was my answer. When did you start um, working with people on build on building their scripts and kind of cutting the fat out of their scripts and helping them format them? 
Okay, so um, I was I made uh, like no budget horror movies for like a decade. Right. And uh, and I'm still in post production on our seventh one. Um, so I've made si- I've made six uh, horror feature films, um, micro to no budget, um, ranging from fifteen hundred dollars. Ironically, our most successful horror film we made for fifteen hundred dollars. It happens <laughs> like that. Our uh, something called WNUF Halloween Special, and then the biggest budget that we've worked with is forty thousand dollars, which we kickstarted a movie called Call Girl of Cthulhu, um, which is like got horror and romantic comedy. Um, <laughs> well, let, let, let me pause right there because you said something interesting that I think will speak to my audience because I I come from a low to no budget like documentary background. And so, oh, wow. yeah, so the people I started helping when I got into the storytelling space was a lot of nonprofits because I was already kind of working with them or, you know, a lot of my clients were, but people that are struggling to create content and tell stories because they don't have the time, resources, budget, crew, whatever. And so I had done the one man band thing following different stories and just without any budget learned how to tell good, impactful stories. And so I wanted to ask a question about that, you know, for that $1,500 horror film, when you only have that much money and someone wanted to tell, a, you know, tell a story a big project like that like what do you focus on because that money can go away quickly right so oh, like you mean as far as the filmmaking or yeah, like in, in general in, when you don't have a lot of money uh and you're trying so, to tell a good story like uh you know uh, like where did you well just tell me your your story like what did you guys focus on what, that's okay the, so here's 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 how we made this one work really well within the means of our budget i mean we're always we're always looking for uh what we have to work with that we have for free already right right yeah um now i will say over the course of seven years how we would end up having a lot of people volunteer is all volunteer mm-hmm. um except for if someone was nude in our film we paid them obviously um but beyond that no one ever got paid for any of our films if someone was uh you said nude in your film yes if okay. someone appeared nude in our film um they would they earned paid. it Yes, they they would get compensated. Got it. Um, but other than that, every every single person who worked on all seven feature films was volunteer. And this and was how like we got that was through a multitude of things. We would because um, I think it's important. This doesn't answer your question, but I'll get there. No, I think yeah, but this is important. That I mean, this is the number one question I get asked about making movies, and it's weird because I've sort of shifted out of that role. I'm not really doing that anymore. Um, but I have you know over 15 years of experience with it. Um, it was we would we never promised exposure because that's false. Yeah, um, totally. What we would promise was um, sort of not just uh, a great experience where you could learn a lot, but you really meet a lot of people that you can work with in the future. But you also meet a lot of people that could lead to paid jobs. Mm-hmm. So usually, what would happen is we would have a bunch of young people who were really passionate, really talented, really interested in getting their feet wet. And they may not have had a lot of experience, but they were willing to do it for free, and we liked them. Um, we enjoyed their company. And so those people would then go on to get jobs with the other people they worked with on their on our film, and then they would go on to do this professionally, and then we would start the process over. Next movie would have another bunch of rookies. <laughs> we, we never had the same team because everybody was kind of going upward and onward to bigger things, um, but... 
they got a lot of experience on our film. I mean, I've written so many letters of recommendations to colleges, mm. and I don't right. have a college degree. <laughs> right, right. For some reason, people hold value, you know, in these admissions um, for producer. You know, they see my label as producer, and they, they assign some other meaning to it, not even taking the time to realize it was for, like, you know, a $5,000 budget movie. Right, right. <laughs> I, I For so many students, I did... Letters of recommendation. They got uh, credit for working on our movie. We didn't. We didn't work that out with the college. They did it on their own, and then it was like they got hours toward their uh, film degrees, yeah. things yeah, like. Cool. So there are a number of situations, but and we also trade labor. Right now, I'm doing one of my clients, my uh, script butcher clients. I'm doing multiple scripts uh, notes for free in exchange for him doing the credit sequence for our next that's feature. That's very cool. Yeah. So it's like you, you barter, you what what value can you offer them? Um, we just found ways to get it done. As far as WNUF, it's a period piece. If I said what it was, you'd be like, no, you didn't make that for $1,500, especially if you saw it. Um, it's a 1987 periods piece, all period props, all period costumes. Um, and so $1,000 of the $1,500 went to the the uh, costumes because the costumes and the makeup and we had two really really talented makeup and hair people um and uh and that helped a lot and they worked for free but then they got paid jobs on chris the director he worked at a company that was a video production company and so they would get paid jobs working for him so it was kind of like they just had a good relationship and it worked out for yeah. But um, always, always, always what costs us money, no matter how hard we try to not spend money, is food, as you probably yeah. know. I mean, it's just the, the, the bot, you have to feed people. I mean, the, the absolute bare minimum that you can do is give people, keep people, if you keep people from being hungry, they stay happy. <laughs> right and uh, and and so uh what worked in our favor compared to the other features with WNUF Halloween special is um the whole thing 45 minutes of it took place in this abandoned haunted house that we had for free from a friend and we wrote it for this house yeah and we went there and we blocked out the whole thing we did dry runs blocked it cuz the whole thing was scripted but we blocked it out the day before, start to finish. We did wow. two full runs of the movie before we filmed anything. And uh, and then, so when we got there, we shot the whole thing in three days. Um, and that saved us from having to spend a lot on food. Yeah, that's crazy. Whereas, to give you in contrast, our, our $40,000 feature film, um, we had like 40 people on set um, and there were days where we'd have to feed them twice. So you got mm-hmm. 80 meals and we shot for 40 days. Wow. So yeah, it's like th- a three day feature that cost $1,500 was mainly because we only had to spend m- money on food three days. And that's a huge, I mean, the, the food thing is the big thing. Yeah. Even though I, 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 I've been able to also do kind of the same, um, deals with caterers like we found a caterer who of our features we agreed to do a commercial for them and commercials are expensive we we agreed to do a commercial for them and we got the catering for the for like a 20-day shoot for like eight hundred dollars yeah that's awesome Um, so i mean damn (laughs) yeah it's killer 
those are the types of things. But you use the same strategy that I was talking about with cast and crew with the other things like catering and things like that. If there's a need for your production, there there's a possible if you if you try to be creative, there's possible ways to get those things mm-hmm. without paying for them. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. If you're not and you're not being shitty. You're not being manipulative. You're being honest. You yeah, know, yeah, that's totally. Thing. Yeah. And if they, I mean, if they can't justify like agreeing to those terms, then they can't. And it's just that's just okay, kind hey, of business. Yeah. Hey, that's totally understandable. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, but you if you like, like you, you said, you, you said this point about seeing what kind of value you can you can offer them. I mean, it's you're not coming there asking for a freebie, but like, hey, what you know, what can we do for you? And I think yeah, that, what, what exactly what kind of trade can we make mm-hmm. so that I can we can not have to spend much money on this. I, I have one more question <laughs> about the using the rookies, like you said, because I've, I've uh, heard other people say like some, some nonprofit clients um, that when they're doing projects, they use a lot of volunteers. Sounds like the same kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And you said you got a new crew each movie. So here's a question for you as like the leader of these rookies volunteers, because the, the trade off, all right, you know, the pro for you is cheap, you know, cheap, labor basically right people that can help you for little to no money the con is they're not that experienced you know they're they're probably passionate but they're like they don't have the skills and experience yet so a lot of that falls on leadership right yeah so how do you approach that when you have like a team of newbies you know how do you run that ship so the main thing is the people in the lead roles Mm -hmm. like the dp Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously the director, we had the advantage that Chris, the direct, the Chris LaMartina, the guy I've made all these movies with, he's the director, he's, you know, producing with me and he wrote it with me. So those are huge advantages to the understandings of what the, the, the beast. And, uh, so we would have, we would have extensive interviews with people and, um, we would always put experienced people in the main roles. So we, while we had a lot of inexperienced people in a lot of other roles, the main roles we didn't have to worry about. Right. And then, yeah, I'm not a micromanager. I, I, I really, uh, we take it very seriously. We care very much, but we also, as weird as it sounds, don't take it very seriously in that it's, it's impossible to hold people accountable when you're not paying them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the challenge. The challenge for me for like 15 years of doing this um has been uh genuinely kissing people's ass uh for the duration of a film shoot because I'm genuine with it. I am so grateful that people even show up. Right. I mean you're you're gonna work twelve hours for free for me in like and we're in making horror movies, man. So we're always in a place it's so funny, man, we've never made coffee on set because we're always in a place where the water is not safe. Um, <laughs> like, dude, we'd spend $30 on boxes of Joe from donuts every Dunkin' Donuts every day because we had no source of water to like just yeah. make things like, <laughs> so, um, as far as how do I do it? Uh, say thank you a lot. Yeah. Every, every five minutes and mean it. Yeah. Uh, and mean it. That's the, that's, and mean that's it. the piece. Because it's very easy to be facetious and be, I'm very big on gratitude. Um, I'm very, I very much, and, and the guy, Chris LaMartina, that my partner in all of this, we understand how fortunate we are to yeah. have 30, 40, 50 people. I mean, most of our movies, like, I couldn't believe it. 
we're working on this movie right now. We're in post-production. It's called What Happens Next Will Scare You. It's a horror anthology. Um, and I we call it a small movie, right? Because our last movie, Call of Cthulhu, had like 400 people on it, and it was just like insane. And we made it for $5,000. There's 147 people in the credits still. It's like, I know because I made them. Um, <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is a small movie. Um, so I just, I, I take a step back every time I'm adding up these numbers, and I'm just like, how? How are all these people willing to do this yeah yeah no so i i don't think we have as much goodwill behind us only for the nature of the fact that we've been doing this for so long and we've sort of exhausted the community <laughs> not in a way like we've used and abused them but it's just kind of like everybody's older now yeah who was us before and it's a lot easier for a 30 year old filmmaker on their third movie to get a 20 year old than somebody who's like now we're i'm i'm pushing 40 it's harder for me to get a bunch of 20-year-olds, like, excited. <laughs> I don't know. The the age disparity really does make it different. It, it feels less like you're, you're, like you're on the same level. Yeah. Um, so I, the challenges are are interesting. They count, they're constantly changing. It, yeah. yeah, indeed. Uh, so what, what was the origin of the script Butcher? Like, what was okay, the little so epiphany that you had? I didn't mean to cut you off. There's so mm-hmm. many long stories trying to make short. Um, I, during all of this time, I had been helping various other people. One of the trade-offs, it wasn't something I offered when you joined our team, but lots of people would come to me with their scripts. Yeah. And I will say, I'm not confident about many things on this earth, but one thing I'm confident about with our films is the reason that they've been able to gain attention despite looking cheap and being cheap is because we spend six months to eight months on the script. Yeah. And we have sort of, you know, made the script. We would not start shooting it until it was bulletproof and awesome. And, you know, we've placed in, I don't hold much value in contests and in, 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 in festivals, but like a lot of people do and that's awesome. And I understand the value in it. We've placed a lot of, we've won some screenwriting awards and festivals and call girl of Cthulhu. Our last feature was in like, 40 festivals and wow. countries and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so people would always give me their scripts. And I would they, I would joke that like I was butchering them because when <laughs> I would give them back to them, they would be covered in red. <laughs> um, and I have been actually wanting to do it for like 10 years. Um, and my wife just pushed me to finally stop because I, I worked retail for the entire time of making feature films because it was a it was a schedule that was extremely uh flexible yeah and i could save up a year's and this is exactly what i did i could save up a year's vacation and take 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 a month off because of the nature of how retail works i could take a month off and that's what i did every time we made a feature i literally save up a year vacation and take a month and make a movie and then go back to work and there's no other profession really that you can do that right Um, so, but my wife finally pushed me three years ago to start a business doing the script butcher, and I've been doing it for three years, and it's it's insane, man. It's really interesting. What are the most common pain points that people bring you when they're trying to 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 tell good stories and write a good script? What, oh what my are the, gosh, Where, what aren't the pain points? <laughs> but like, what's what's the things people struggle with most? I see, like, I saw on your site you have, you know, just some 
some good like bullet points in terms of like is your opening scene memorable or uh, is your story visually striking etc yeah. but i'm sure that you have you know people yeah. that come back and like they're just like what are the things to focus on most obviously there's a ton of stuff but like okay so i'll use uh, i i just used this example on my um on my own podcast i have a podcast called writers blockbusters for anybody who's listening and we break down uh blockbuster movies for screenwriting lessons learned oh cool um like why did they resonate let's look at it Mm. let's find lessons it's it's less a movie review site i mean a podcast and more like let's find out what we can learn from this totally why why it works and why it has longevity um there's a movie, there's a book, it's a brand new book, it's by a guy named Eric Bork, uh, it's called The Idea, and this guy Eric Bork wrote Band of Brothers and uh, From the Earth to the Moon, and he says that 90% of all his notes he would give whether they had handed him a script or just pitched it to him, and so I couldn't agree more, and, and what... What that means is uh, most of the problems in the script happened before the script was written. Mm. Um, only 10% of a script is writing. And that me- what, I'm, what I mean by that is most of writing is construction, is invisible ink. It's not what's on the page. What's on the page is only the last 10%. And the last 10% has to be awesome, too. It actually has to be as incredible. It has yeah. to be the best in the world. Um, but most of the problems of a script are in the construction. And what I mean by that is the premise, the idea. Um, Why does this story have to happen uh, here, in this place, in this setting? Why does this story have to happen now, at this time, in this person's life? Most of the scripts I read, neither of those questions can be answered concretely. And both of those questions are an absolute necessity before you even consider writing the story Hmm. if your story could happen at any time in the character's life other than this time in the story in the you know then it's not good enough you need to figure out why it has to happen right now that's great parameters of this story are making it happen right now and why does it happen have to happen here in this setting setting is crucial and a lot of people write these come up with these premises that could take place anywhere, anywhere on the, in the world yeah. of the story. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem that, that robs it of urgency. So mm. that, those are two huge things. Why does it happen to happen here? Why does it have to happen now in, in the world of the story and the characters' lives? And if you can answer those two things, then that automatically will set you up for um, urgency for the whole thing and making the setting like important i love that line it robs it of urgency that's well yeah. said yeah well, so and and so these are my five i've come up with it's funny retroactively looking up stuff because i'm trying to build courses yeah um retroactively i found uh this guy named script shadow who's been around for a long time carson reeves um he sort of has the same mantra which i'm like that's great uh but I'm gonna have to find my own avenue with it. But um, there's, I have found that all scripts I read are missing one of these big five, mm. um, and they seem sort of uh, obvious. But most scripts don't have it. <laughs> A lot of scripts have four or five of these. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
but not all. And that is a filmable goal. Um, not just a goal, a goal that we can see. So Jamie Nash, my podcast uh, co-host, uh, he's written a bunch of movies, some Nickelodeon movies, some theatrical horror movies, some movies that played in theaters, uh, horror movies. And he has a great exercise for figuring out a goal. And that is, can you draw it? Draw your goal. What does it look like? Most people confuse goal with reward. Mm. They, my, my, my character's goal is to become rich. Mm. That's not the goal. That's the reward. That is what they will achieve if they achieve. That's what that they will gain. That's the gain if they do achieve the goal. But most people like skip past the actual goal. Okay, what does? How are they gonna get rich? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's number one, a filmable goal. Number two is motivation, and that is is split in. I split it into two pieces, and that is reward. What are they trying to gain? And stakes. What do they have to lose? And here's the thing about stakes that a lot of people, usually someone will come up with a great reward, but they'll have no stakes. Or somebody will have great stakes, but they'll have no reward. Um, and here's the thing that uh, if you study movies, what you'll find is you can actually stack stakes and stack rewards. And someone can have rewards they seek and stakes they, they will lose from scene to scene, mm. and they do, and so you have a big overall thing that you're going to lose. But over the course of the movie, there may be like 50 different things you could lose at any point. Yeah. Um, and these things, most scripts I read don't understand that, um, and are missing either reward or stakes or both. And so, like, that's my equation for motivation is motivation equals reward plus stakes. What you have to gain, what you have to lose. Most of the scripts I read don't have that down. Uh, the third thing <clears throat> is uh, urgency, and that is time pressure. It doesn't necessarily have to be a clock like Back to the Future, but with the you know the, the clock tower getting struck by lightning. That's like a very literal ticking right, clock. Right, right. Um, there's hundreds of ticking clock mechanisms. I'll use a good example because um, it's fresh in my mind. We just did a podcast on speed. A great uh, time pressure is when he gets on the bus. Um, one of the hostages pulls out a gun because he thinks Keanu Reeves is there to arrest him. Um, and he, the, there's like a, a, t a tussle and, and the gun goes off and it accidentally shoots the bus driver. And so not only do you have your speed ticking clock of the bus can't go below 50 miles per hour or else it'll blow up. Now the bus driver is bleeding to death mm. and his health is a ticking clock mechanism. He has to get that guy off the bus somehow before he loses all his blood. So the blood loss itself is a time pressure ticking clock mechanism. And there's literally hundreds of these. Yeah. And most stories, and you can have them from scene to scene, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got a goal in just a scene, and you you can stack multiple ticking clock mechanisms. And most scripts I read are missing them altogether. So you'll yeah. have you'll have a person who has a goal uh, and they'll be it could they could achieve it whenever and usually that why here why now will create that urgency like I said yeah so uh, uh, but oftentimes I'll read a script where someone people are urgent to achieve the goal they're like we gotta go we gotta move <laughs> but there's actually no deadline to yeah motivate. yeah yeah that's different <laughs> it's very it's very specific um, number four 
is obstacles, um, formidable obstacles. Um, I use the treasure. I read a script once, and uh, it was a it was like a treasure, uh, you know, treasure on an island uh, script. And the person found the map. They got a boat. They got on the boat. They traveled the shore. They got to the island. They found the treasure. And when they found the treasure, no one was guarding it. And they picked it up and they got in the boat and the movie ended. And a lot of writers do this. They think that all of taking all that action, achieving all those goals, this, this story had clear stakes, clear reward, clear urgency, but there's no obstacles. They literally just had to get a boat, just just had to get across the sea. So right, the map needs to be withered and you can barely read it. The, the ship needs to spring a leak. There needs to be storms. There needs to be a guy on another ship who's racing you to get to that treasure. When you get to the treasure, there needs to be 50 things that get in the way. Right. I use make it harder the number one thing i write on a script set of script notes is make it harder because it's almost always way too easy for the character to achieve their goal in a script i read so the number four thing that is usually missing in a script is formidable obstacles from fade in to fade out because you can have formidable obstacles and they overcome them but if they're not having formidable obstacles thrown at them from fade in to fade out, it's not as enjoyable of an experience. All right, and then the number five one, this is the most important one. Uh Uh-oh. Meaningful choices. Mm. Okay, if you give a a character a choice of a something good will happen if they choose it or something bad will happen if they choose it, that's no choice at all. They're going to choose the make the choice where something good will happen. Most of the scripts I read, the choices are easy. It's like, well, I'm going to choose to do this. And you have you literally have a character at every scene at every moment in order to achieve their goals, making a choice that any single person in the audience would make without question, without thinking about it. What you need is to give them a double-edged sword uh if this happens, bad things are going to happen. If this that, if I take this choice, you know, blue pill, red pill, both pills are going to lead to bad things. Right. Happen, but you're going to have to choose one, and that's how you reveal character is by showing us under stress when they they have a goal, and now they have a. We know what their reward is. We know what the stakes are. We know what time pressure is making them rush to this decision. They have formidable obstacles in their way. What choice do they make now that we know all of those things? And that is how you reveal character. Almost all the scripts I read are missing meaningful choices. All the choices that we see them make are choices that every single one of us would make without a, in a heartbeat, without thinking about it. And that's, that's, a, that's the one that people don't think about. That's a good that's, one. It makes me think of, of uh, The Dark Knight, which is just full of those moments, like with yes. the, the prisoners oh, yeah. on the His boats. And the gasoline, <laughs> yeah. and she's going to blow up. What are you going to do? Yes, dude. Yeah, yeah. you got to kill one person or a boat full of people. Exactly, right, that is man. A prime example of that. That you need that from start to finish, and yeah. usually scripts aren't ha, don't have a single moment of that. That's a great, great point. Uh, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. A classic uh, uh, debate: What's more important, characters or plot? Uh, it just depends. I have a friend who hates plot. 
um, I, and I think about him every time this topic comes up. <laughs> um, I think plot kind of, I think they go hand in hand, meaning sure. like, um, I will say this, there, there's, there's two types. There's like, I can't remember the pyramid. There's arc plot, mini plot and anti-plot. Uh, have you heard of this? Arc plot is your popcorn movie. Anti-plot is, is your experimental film. Mini plots mixes the two. Okay. Right. Um, and your, your anti-plot is just a character and there's no, and there's nothing, ha there's not, there's no goal. There's just the character who has like people that you throw them into situations for two hours and then the movie's over. Right. Right. Um, that's not my style of movie. I'm not into that. Uh, my, I have consulted on those and those, and, and those clients seem to be happy, but, um, I deal with primarily the arc plot, you know, the, your popcorn movies, your traditional or somewhere mini plot somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it depends on what type of story you're trying to tell. Yeah. Um, and if you're trying to tell that story, that's like the anti-plot, um, where it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's literally called anti-plot, you know, um, it doesn't matter to you. Um, if there's a goal, I would just argue that, you know, that's only going to, um, entertain a very specific few of audience members, you know, yeah. uh, I once watched a film that was 20, 25 minutes of, a fly sitting on a shelf and I was like this is a film um, <laughs> dude my with these horror film festivals and just indie film festivals I've seen a oh, lot yeah. of uh, oh yeah <laughs> sure you have too yeah 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 it's especially in like the low budget horror horror genre man I bet I oh. bet it's out of control yeah uh do you do, have you made uh, a lot of shorts or do you have a lot of experience with shorts no, honestly, um, I have only made. We had a we had a series called Lost Trailer Park, Never Coming Attractions. I was only in, involved in in a few of those, and mm -hmm. and uh, they are just trailers for movies that will never exist. Um, and we would make them on a weekend for like two hundred bucks. So I have only, other than that, I've only made one short film. I mean, we've all we just made features. I've been fortunate that we've done that. So I only made one short film, and it was two minutes. So it was it was all done in one day. Um, well, so how did you tell that? Like, did do you follow the same model in terms? Oh yeah, of, yeah. It, yeah. It was uh, well, we were. Uh, I think there's immense value in these 48 hours and 72 hours and 28 days uh, mm. film festivals, and it was an exercise like that um, for a for a newspaper um, that we decided to do last minute, um, and so it was like we literally did it in like 48 hours. So it was a rush, but we, I mean, we wrote a script and, uh, we followed the same thing. Like we got the materials for no money. We, I mean, we did all the same things, you know, um, that we did when we make our, our feature films, but it, it was told like an arc plot. Right. Um, it is the, it had a beginning, a middle and ending. It wasn't just a scene. Um, that's what's weird about shorts, man. You can get away with a lot of stuff. It doesn't have to follow any of those. Uh, yeah any of those traditional um, storytelling methods that work for a short, it's sort of like all bets are off and, and people are used to watching shorts, not having all of these things and, and they enjoy them that way. I personally don't, I don't gravitate toward shorts, but I know a lot of people who don't gravitate toward features. Yeah. Oh man. 
there's a there's an article in the New York Times last week that like blew my mind. It's about the changing nature of of how people are consuming media. Yeah. Um, and it's just talked about how they grabbed a bunch of twenty uh, five year olds and asked them what their favorite movie was, and they said we don't watch movies. And uh, and they said I can tell you who my favorite YouTuber is. Yeah. It's just like I. Wow, I mean, it's a, the audience is changing their their you know we're we're the dinosaurs, man. <laughs> oh, dude, I've been on like TV show sets, uh, and it's still all I'm I'm all, almost always doing like docu like documentary style, so yeah. it's not like you know we're shooting Game of Thrones, um, yeah. and and kids, that's what kids would say, like, is this for YouTube? And it'll be like you know four or five of us out there with like you know audio the guy with the boom mic you know dp with the camera producers production assistants running around getting releases signed and it's like no it's for like doesn't matter what it would be for it wouldn't impress them as much as but, much as the youtube yeah but, that, you but had... that's the question they're like yeah this for youtube and when you say no it, it could be like for it could be for for, for television they bet oh <laughs> <laughs> and then they're out but i noticed that i noticed that yeah, a few, like I... in the past few years man it's really interesting, and there's even this service. I forget what it's called. I don't want to promote it. Um, it's probably good that I don't remember its yeah. name. Um, it takes feature films, and then it automatically cuts them into two-minute chunks. No. So you watch it like a long-form storytelling experience. You know, so it turns it it turns a two-hour movie into sixty episodes, and 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 you can people will take a two-hour movie and watch it on their phone and they'll be like episode 13 you know and That's so weird. they're what, like, like 60 they're like 36 minutes into the movie but to them it's like they're on episode 13 it's Wild. a thing it's happening it's changing it's coming no matter what guess we gotta roll with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> who who are some of like who are your um what's like a typical client for you for script butcher dude it's amazing it's different every time that's cool I, what okay the thing that i'm fascinated with with this experience 3 years in is i a lot of my clients are not american mm. and but they grew up i always forget personally i always forget that that america's biggest export is our is our movies and our television yeah they are writing american movies and american shows i i just had a i just had my first client from hong kong wow and dude speaks like five languages. They all do. Every country, every person I've dealt with who is a writer from another country, English is not their first language. No. And yeah. their, their grammar is so much better than my typical American client. Just so we're, we're so dumb, man. Um, <laughs> and uh, But they're all writing for, I'm like, are you trying to, like, I have I have like six Australian clients. And, I, and I'm like, I'm always amazed when I'm like, so you're not writing this for Australian television? And they're like, no, I'm, this is, I want this TV pilot to be picked up by like AMC. Um, it's like, wow, amazing. Yeah. Um, so my, my typical client really varies. I do, uh, just by nature, I think of the way I communicate things and my own just presence. I tend to uh, get hired by a lot of beginners. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes with a lot of challenges on my end, uh, because I'm basically what I end up, I mean, what I spend most of my time doing is teaching. I'm doing screenwriting instruction yeah. um, by through the notes. That's what's happening. But yeah. a, a lot, since a lot of my, uh, clients are beginners, then I end up doing a lot of 
beginner instruction. So I found I've really become really good at communicating the beginners aspects of screenwriting. Sure. And I would say that most of my clients, I mean, if, if somebody is making a living as a screenwriter, they don't need me. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. They have their own built in system of notes givers. And like, like if somebody is in the WGA, they don't need to, to hire me. I'm not in the WGA. Yeah. You know, so I just by the nature of who I am, how I communicate my business and just myself, um, I tend to attract a lot of people who are either beginners or on the cusp. I have some people who are incredible. I've got a handful of, I've got like 12 of them. They're like, they are incredible. And, and I, I hope someday something happens with this work that they're doing because it's so good. Yeah. Um, where are you, I, where I'm you, sure you've heard. Keep going. Uh, no, you go ahead. I, I'm sure you've heard of the blacklist. I've, yeah. I've had some clients get some eights on the blacklist. I've had some clients get some sevens on the blacklist. The blacklist is a whole other thing, but that's very heralded, and I'm very proud of them. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So where where are you? Uh, how are your international clients finding you? I think through the through site. Twitter. Through what? Through Twitter, I think. That's it. I'm on a I'm on a bit of a social media hiatus just because I've been so intensely doing it for three years. I mean, really for the entire time I've been making movies, but for the last three years, I mean, I've been on there, you know, I've been posting like seven, eight times a day on multiple platforms just to... What's your main ones? I I know, I think we linked up on Twitter, but where else do you... Twitter is where I... I'm on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, I don't have an Instagram for uh, Script Butcher because honestly, I know how to how to use it so well i know that if i started one for script butcher i'm not ready to take on the amount of business i think i could get Mm. if i used my strategies with with a script butcher centric instagram yeah um whereas i'm it's just my personal page now so i don't really focus that much on screen um but uh most of my time is spent on twitter and and a lot of my business comes from twitter i my first year doing this um, I spent like $4,000 on Facebook ads that yielded nothing. And that's not to say that Facebook ads don't work. It's just that I didn't know how to work them. Right. Um, but I can't afford that type of loss. <laughs> so, uh, I, I found a way to communicate what I do uh, in a way that is providing value rather than just saying, look at me, look at me. Um, and that has made it so that the last three years I haven't spent um, a single dollar on marketing. Wow, dude, so, that's awesome. But I'm, I'm a little exhausted from it and uh, from the from the social media promotion, and so I, I've been off Twitter for about been off of them all for about a month now. So that's nice. Well, you got to take a little break, a little reset, man. Yeah, I'm like 17 days behind my script work, so I got to catch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, I'm proud of you, man. I mean, uh, Thanks, your, your, man. your energy is awesome. I feel like it would be really fun to have a beer with you, and maybe oh, we dude, can make I that. that. I know we live in different states, but... <laughs> yeah, I travel a lot, man, but uh, that would be awesome. I feel like You're we... You're in the Baltimore area, dude. Absolutely. Right on. I, I, I was up there last year shooting something for, for just a couple of days. That would have been the perfect night, so if that happens again... Again, uh, hit yes. you up and we will watch a movie. Hell yeah! <laughs> <Have> some <laughs> drinks, dude. I appreciate it, man. This was a uh, this was an awesome perspective to come th- from. I love like the top five. Like that's like oh, chock yeah. full of values. So, like that in and of itself was like 
you know, just so great for the people listening. A lot of these podcasts are, are selfish and I just like to talk to cool people in, uh, in the writing and storytelling space. So that's just for, for my own self. <laughs> <laughs> glad, to, glad to provide something. That's what I'm going to try to build my courses around. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tell me about the courses. Oh, so the courses, I mean, basically what I'm going to try to do is take all those core five and break them down. And I'm going to, I'm categorizing what types of goals there are mm -hmm. that, you know, come up in stories. And I'm going to show how to teach how to use them. We're going to do that for every single one of those top five that I met. That That's I met. awesome. Gains, top 100 gains and how to use them. Stakes, top 100 ways to raise the stakes. Uh, obstacles, top 100. I'm using the 100 because I, it will limit me from trying to do more. Yes. <laughs> 100 is still ambitious. I'm capping them. I'm capping them at 100. So that's what I'm trying to do for each one. It's going to be the uh, 100 ways to raise the stakes, 100 ways to create urgency, 100 obstacles, 100 types of meaningful choices. Dude, that's amazing. Uh, any idea when that might come out? I know how these things uh, go, so I'm not... I'm not... I, have, I have the... Uh, the bones of it mm -hmm. i've got all the bones of it i'm just building the lessons now so Wait, it's gonna be a while dude where will people be able to find that is that gonna be on your site it'll be on scriptbutcher.com but also okay. i'm gonna be talking about it on my podcast writers he'll Blockbusters. be back on twitter folks he'll be back on twitter promoting yeah i'll it. be i'll be <laughs> blasting it full blast when I'm, uh, I'm really interested in that and this will come out we're taking a little break for the summer so this will come out a little bit later in the year but um i think that's Perfect. yeah I think then that's going to be promote great. the hell out of it. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, dude, I appreciate you, man. This was super fun. Thanks, Rain. Thanks for everything it. you're doing, and uh, and I'm proud of you, man. Like three years in, it was a good change. You Thanks, know, man. shout out to your wife for pushing pushing you like they do. That's, that's yeah, <laughs> yes, she is the secret to my success. <laughs> right, right on, brother. Look, man, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. All right, thanks, man. Later. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.